Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. Oh, come on, let's give God a shout. So good. Oh, I love the church. I love the church. I wanna echo everything my handsome husband said. You're on fire, babe. That was so good. I was just ready to just let you go, preach. Uh, go ahead and take your seats, everyone. It's been such a great morning already. And uh, yes, babe, you would not live long if you did that. Oh my gosh. You know, like he gives me no reason to worry whatsoever. But you know like, when you're watching like a movie or something and someone like cheats or is unfaithful, I, I, I'll just like look at him and a lot of times I'll just punch him really hard in the arm and I'm like, if you ever, I swear, I swear, babe, I will end you. I'm like, I will take your children. You will never see them again. I will ruin you. I do, I like freak out and then I'm like, okay. All right, just needed to clarify. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. And then like, you know, if you have like the, the terrible nightmares, where like they're being naughty or whatever, or they're cheating on you again. Like you wake up and then you're just like so mad. Like you're ticked off. And then like, it's, and they're just like, what's your problem? You're like, I just, I haven't worked it out yet. Like it's still in my mind. Like, and you just are angry for like the first hour of the day. Yeah, anyways, is it just me? Is anyone else do that? Please, thank you, thank you, yes. Oh my goodness gracious. So yeah, we're in our relationship series, which has been so exciting. We're gonna have a great morning. And uh, I, I just wanna encourage you. I'm, and thank you so much, worship team. Thank you, thank you. Um, yes, they were incredible. <laughs> Love them. So I'm gonna be getting into some you know, marriage talk and things like that, but I just wanna make sure if you are not married, I don't want you to shut your brain off because more, more than likely you will be married at, at some point. And any of these principles can be taken into any type of relationship. It's not just for marriage. So stay engaged. But before I do start talking about marriage stuff, I did want to talk about some dating stuff for a couple of minutes. Is that okay? All right, and I shared this, like, some of these principles years ago at our society, which, like we said, is the 18 to 25-year-old thing, and, and they seem to like it, so I'm going to share it with you, and just keep in mind, this isn't Bible. This, this part is my opinion. However, I happen to think I'm right. So, so just take it for what it is, but I've been around long enough to think, I, I, I'm feel pretty confident in these statements, okay? So we're just gonna go there for a couple minutes. All right, so dating, dating relationships. So men, this is what I wanna say. State your intentions. State your intentions. And what I mean by that is, we have this like hangout problem. This hangout generation, where everyone, instead of like having the guts and actually asking the girl out, they go like, oh, wanna go hang out? 
want to go like hang and watch a movie or go grab a coffee. And they're not clear with what that means. And so then you have this guy and this girl on their sixth hangout. And she doesn't have clarity about what this hangout means. And she starts acting weird and awkward because she doesn't know how to act. Because she's like, does he like me? I don't know. Are we friends? Are we dating? I have no idea. So they get all weird and in their head, all right? And then you end the relationship because you think she's weird. Well, she was only weird because you didn't clarify what the relationship was. So... So we need a generation of men rising up that have the guts to ask a girl out on a date. And, and you know, like, you don't, you don't want to just, like, shoot in the dark and just, like, ask some random person out that you've never seen before. Like, what a, what a great thing to have the church. You have so many opportunities. You're in, you get to go to connect groups. You go to society. You go to prime. You go to all these things. And you can actually get to know enough about a person in a group setting that you're like, oh, I... I think I'm interested in this person. This is what the conversation looks like. You say, oh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I would like to take you out on a date. <laughs> wow. You know what? She might say no. But you know what? You are still a champion, and you're a risk taker, and you have the guts, like so many guys don't, to ask a girl out. So you are better for it, and you know what? You just saved 100 bucks anyway, so just, it's all good. But girls, girls, you're not making it any easier. You almost can't blame a guy for being gun-shy to ask a girl out, because you go straight to, like, picking out wedding dresses on the first date. You go on one date and you're already like practicing writing your first name with his last name. Like, stop it! Stop it! You need to learn how to control your emotions, control your thoughts, control your heart, slow down, and enjoy the dating process. Just because he asks you out on one date does not mean you're walking down the aisle. It may just be one date, and that's okay. It's okay. And then, you know what, after you do go on a date, can you, can then you actually communicate whether there's going to be another one? Wouldn't that be nice? A lot of times you go on a date and then you're just left with like, do they like me? Do they not like me? And they don't call you for days. And the next time you see each other the next week in church, you're just like really uncomfortable because you're like, uh, like just, you know what? Let's just respect each other enough and honor each other enough to be able to say, hey, I had a really great time, but I just think we're going to be better off as friends. Just tell them. So you don't have to be thinking about it and wondering about it and tormented over it. Just tell them. And you're better off. You're better off because you know what? I thank God all the times I was dumped because I wouldn't have ended up with John. I thank God I was dumped repeatedly. God has someone better. You win. You win. Oh, goodness. So, and I'll just say this one last thing, and then we'll move on. So, uh, I thank God I waited for my Mr. Right. And I thank God I was dumped so I could have my Mr. Right. But some of us, I think, may still be single in here because we're not looking for Mr. or Mrs. Right. We're looking for Mr. or Mrs. Perfect. And the last I recall, there was only one perfect human on the planet, and his name was Jesus. And he's not available. 
for that type of relationship. So, you know what? We have to be, we, we, I think we can dismiss people way too early. Like, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, go out and date someone who's not saved or who's a total jack wagon. I'm not saying any of that. Like, but when I met John, he was a believer. He was saved, but he was not living for Jesus. So I could have dismissed him really easily because we're supposed to marry a leader, right? And so, but then I remember someone confronted me and they just said like, oh, I feel like your, your expectation for perfection is just, it's ruining your relationships. And so, I'm thankful that I didn't dismiss John too early because I was a little bit farther along in my walk than he was. Like at the, when I met him, he was not the leader of any home. He was the only time he was leading people is he was leading people to the club. Like I'm not joking. Like that's, but he lo- he did love God. He just didn't have it all worked out yet. But I mean, I'm so thankful I did not dismiss him because now look at him. You know, like, so just be careful, guard your heart, absolutely, but don't dismiss people because they're not as far along in their Christianity as you, and they're not perfect. No one's going to be perfect on this side of eternity, but what you have to do is just make sure you are guarding your heart and make sure that there is, immediately there was a hunger and a desire for him to grow. He was coming to my Bible study. He was in church every weekend. He was literally willing to be discipled and submit to leadership, like, right away, so I knew right there that I could begin to open up my heart a little bit more, and I'm so thankful that I didn't dismiss miss him. And then just really quick, don't dismiss people because they dress weird or have a weird haircut. Like that's such an easy fix. I'm t- I, uh, it's a trip to Nordstrom and to Natasha Punka, you know, and they'll, and they'll get them all straightened out. So yeah, so just, yeah, stuff like that. Don't compromise on the big stuff, but some of those things, you can work it out. I've had those conversations with people. Oh, we need to help each other. All right, is that good? Okay, yay, all right. So moving on. All right, so Proverbs 4.23. Now this is actual Bible. All right, even though the other was good too. All right, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Another version says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. So everything we do comes out of the condition of our heart. Everything in our life will come forward out of the condition of our heart. So can I just tell you, you will never rise above the condition of your heart. You may want to be up here and accomplish all these things and have this type of relationship, but if your heart is bad, you're you're never going to arise above the condition of your heart because everything you do flows from it. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So all of those things began out of the condition of a heart, and then it came out. So if the root is bad, the fruit's going to be bad. The root is bad, the fruit's gonna be bad. And that's why we have to guard our heart to make sure we're not allowing things into our heart that's eventually gonna produce fruit that we don't want in our lives. We all want healthy, loving relationships. No one goes, oh, I wanna have a dysfunctional relationship. Like, oh, I can't wait to get married so I could get divorced. Like, no one says that. Like, oh, I can't wait to have my heart broken repeatedly. Like, no, no one wants unhealthy relationships. No one wants dysfunction. No one wants divorce. And we'd be crazy if we thought that. We all want the happily ever after, right? We all want the happily ever after. But we cannot have a happily ever after if we don't have a healthy heart. So in order to have a healthy heart, the Bible says, well, in 1 Peter 4, 8, it says this. 
Above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. But as we walk through this less than perfect life and we experience challenges, heartache, pain, and then pain left undealt with, that pain and those experiences, if not healed properly, can, can create blockages in our heart. They can create walls in our heart that prevent life flowing into our relationships. Our hearts, the very thing that gives us life, that gives us the ability to love, can become so damaged that it no longer brings life, but it produces death. So it's so important to be aware of the condition of our heart, what blockages we've allowed, what junks come in to prevent life from flowing. We have to prevent our heart from attacking and sabotaging every relationship that we're in. So the title of my message this morning is, When the Heart Attacks. When the Heart Attacks. So I just began to read a little bit about um, this and what happens to you know, the body during a heart attack. And then, and then it started to quickly, they said there was always four main things how you can prevent a heart attack. So that's why I wanna talk about how to prevent a heart attack, the four ways. And the first thing was number one is a healthy diet. A healthy diet. So what are you feeding on? What are you feeding on? Luke 6.45 says, a good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you're feeding on is eventually going to come out. Your words are going to locate the condition of your heart. So what does your love diet look like? What does your love diet look like? Are you feeding on past hurts, mistakes, frustrations, pain, annoyances, irritations? Are you feeding on all of that? Because what you feed grows, and you're only going to get anger, bitterness, resentment if you're feeding on those things. So I want to, and then as well, unhealthy things like addictions only grow stronger if you feed it. So I want to ask, so what are you feeding that you should be starving? What things are you feeding in here and in here that you should be starving? You can't continually feed on those frustrations, annoyances, past hurts, those perversions, things like that, and then expect your love to grow and be healthy. No, we need to starve some of those things. And we need to feed and focus on the good things. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So are we satisfied with what we're reaping in our relationships? Are we satisfied with, with the harvest that we have? And I, I'd, I'd put it to this, if you're not satisfied, if you're not happy, we need to take some responsibility because more than likely we're living in the harvest of the things that we have sown that were unhealthy or things that we didn't sow that we should have sown. We're living in that harvest. And so we, we can do something about it though. It's actually quite simple. So if you wanna reap a different harvest in your relationship, you need to just start sowing some different seed. You have to start sowing some different seed. How about you start sowing some respect, some kindness, some admiration, some quality time? How about we start sowing preferring one another, loving one another, spending time together, being generous towards each other, kind, all of that. When you start sowing those types of things, and over time, you're going to reap a different harvest. But I need to tell you, if you've been sowing bad seed for 10 years, you don't just get to reap one healthy seed and think it's going to change the whole harvest. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some commitment. All you got to do is keep sowing healthy seed, sowing healthy seed, and eventually you're going to reap a harvest. Galatians 6, 9 says, 
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So don't give up. You may not see immediate changes overnight, but give, give some time for that good seed to grow, and you're going to have the kind of harvest that you want to have in your relationships. Amen? Amen? And some of us, it's not about necessarily what we're feeding or not feeding our relationships. Some of our relationships are simply just starving. We, we, we're starving for affection. We're starving for love. Our relationships are starving, and we need to start feeding it. John and I have been there. This was a couple years ago. Um, we had just come out of a really busy season um, with Twisted and everything going on, and that's usually the time in our relationship where we set aside a week or two and we go away. The first week by ourselves, and then we'll have the kids join us, and we just really reconnect and reestablish our relationship after a busy season. But just about the time where we were already a little bit neglectful of our relationship, John had a couple bulging discs in his back. And so you'll remember he was never on the front row. He'd have to stand up the back because he couldn't sit down. And it was about six months he actually couldn't sit down. So he would eat dinner in the kitchen standing up while me and the kids were sitting at the table. Um, he wasn't able to lay on our bed, so he had to sleep in the living room for six months on the floor. So we were really disconnected. And then, you know, God love him, um, at the time, I didn't, but he decided to do, on top of all of this, an already very stressful and difficult season, he decided to do a 40-day fast, liquid fast. So, yeah. Um, eventually, I got on board, and I was supportive. I was, like, making soup, okay? We had freezers full of soup for him. So he could eat. But anyway, so then, so we couldn't even like eat together now. We couldn't sit together. He was always uncomfortable and in pain. So conversation was difficult. But now we couldn't even eat together. And at one point, we kind of realized like our relationship was deteriorating. And he's like, babe, we really need a date night. And I'm like, okay, we'll go on a date. And then we went on the date and he couldn't sit next to me because his back hurt. So I'm sitting in the booth eating normal food and he's standing up next to me drinking soup. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, why are we paying a babysitter for this? And I was such a brat. I was like, I'll see you in 40 days. I said that. I was such a brat. And so, but yes, I am. I'm just, you should feel good about yourself. But then it got so bad because we just were not connecting at all. And so then I just started to get really concerned about our relationship. And I started to get, like, worried. And I just didn't, I mean, like, you know, those lovey feelings were kind of, like, dissipating. And so I sat him down on the couch. And I got all emotional. And I was like, babe, we are not doing good. And I just started, like, crying and just telling him, I was like, are we going to make it? And I know. This was, like, 40 days. Like, some of you have been doing this for four years, 14 years. But I, I just couldn't handle it. And so I, I got super emotional. And then I'm like, it must have been love, but it's over now. It must have been good, but I lost it somehow. I was so dramatic. And he's like, wow, babe. He's like, I really don't think it's that bad. I'm like, but it is, it is. 
And so he didn't think it was that bad, but I felt like it was that bad. And so what we had, we had to start feeding our relationship right away. Like we went into like in a state of emergency. He's like, oh dear God. And so he's like, rescue mission, overnight date. And like, so we gave the kids to our in-laws and we went out, we went shopping and we had lunch and then we had happy hour and then we went out to dinner and then we went shopping and then we had no kids for the night. It was like a rescue mission. And it didn't get better like overnight, but I'm telling you, it felt a lot stronger and healthier than the day before we did all that. And so we just had to start feeding our relationship again. We set up our date nights and we didn't compromise on those things. And eventually we got the malnutrition relationship because we had been starving it from everything it needed, started to get fed and it began to grow again and became strong again. We have to start feeding our relationships all of the good stuff so we can get healthy. Amen? So we have to to avoid the heart from attacking. We need a healthy diet. The second thing to prevent the heart from attacking is exercise. Exercise. And the one thing I want to talk about um, with this is forgiveness. So forgiveness. Some of us need to exercise forgiveness, and some of us need to ask for it. And I just want to tell you that a sincere apology is not a sign of weakness, but one of the greatest signs of strength. And we can't let pride get in the way of an apology. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So is living in peace depending on your apology? Is it hanging in the balance on your apology? And can I just encourage you, there's a right way and a wrong way to apologize, right? We've all either, we've given the apology or been on the receiving end of an apology that made us more angry than before they apologize, right? So just do it right or honestly don't do it at all and you're gonna make it worse. Like I, it's, it's a great example, like with our kids, like the, your kids are fighting and I tell one of my boys to go, you know, apologize to their brother for being mean and they're like, I'm sorry, you big fat butt face. And I'm like, wow, wow. Like seriously. Or then you're just like, fine, fine. I'm sorry, is that what you want? Fine. That does not help. Or I'm sorry, but you. Like, oh, all bad examples of how you apologize. There's no sincerity, there's no regret, there's no remorse. And we need to leave our big butts out of our apologies, don't we? Here's a good example. I'm sorry I hurt you. I didn't intend to hurt you or wound you. And I promise I'm gonna try to do whatever I can to make sure this doesn't happen again. Will you forgive me? I love you. John forgives me. See? So when it's possible, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with all men. So some of us need to ask for forgiveness, but then some of us need to exercise forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago in our freedom messages, and that word place is... It says a legal foothold, an opportunity, a legal right to enter and occupy. So there's things that we do in our life 
where we give place to the devil. We give him access in our lives to torment us in certain areas. And unforgiveness is one of those areas that allow the enemy access to come in and torment us. There's so many people that are living with unforgiveness and undealt with pain that are tormented. There are people that have physical sicknesses in their body that is caused from unforgiveness. People who are tormented at night, they cannot rest, they cannot get sleep, there's no peace, they're angry, they're bitter, they're quick with their temper, and a lot of it comes back to unforgiveness because we've given the devil a foothold, a place for him to wreak havoc in that area of our lives. And choosing, and why that is, is because the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, forgive each other just as Christ has forgiven us. Matthew 6.15, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. This is very, very serious because once we, God tells us we need to forgive. And once we say like, oh, talk to the hand and we don't, we're in direct disobedience to what God has asked to do. So we are choosing to live in disobedience. And, and then that is ongoing sin in our lives that again gives the enemy access. And if you refuse to forgive, you're no longer under grace because the Bible says your sins will not be forgiven. So now you're no longer under grace, you're under the law. And that is not a place you want to be. That is not a place you want to be. And so even if there's no apology, we still need to exercise forgiveness in our lives. We need to exercise forgiveness. Why? Because, and here, here's the thing. Exercising forgiveness Unforgiveness, it doesn't hurt the other person. It destroys us, doesn't it? Not exercising forgiveness keeps us locked in that place of pain. Like, I'm not gonna release forgiveness. And you just, you hold onto it and you cannot move out of that prison. Unforgiveness keeps you locked in a prison of pain. And so when we choose to forgive, we're not saying what the other person did was right. But what we are saying is you have the right to live a life without pain, torment, misery, anger, and bitterness. We're not saying that we're forgiving them because they deserve it. We're saying you deserve to live a life full of joy and peace and rest. So it's time to exercise forgiveness. Maybe it's those hurtful words that were spoken over us. Or maybe we need to forgive the person that should have protected us and they didn't. Or we need to forgive that son or daughter who's, who's walked away from God and got into a whole bunch of a mess and has caused such grief and pain in your heart. Or maybe we need to exercise forgiveness to our spouse for making some bad financial decisions that, that got us in a mess. Whatever it is, whoever it is, release forgiveness so you can be released from that pain of torment that you've given the enemy grounds to wreak havoc in your life. You, you need to release forgiveness because you have the right to live without anger, pain, and resentment. Amen? The third thing, to prevent the heart from attacking, stress management. Stress management. And I want to talk about two things with this. The first is trusting God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when we are anxious, when we are stressed, the antidote needs to be prayer. The antidote to our worry is prayer. And then when we pray, the Bible says we should have that peace that surpasses all understanding. So I want to ask, 
when you pray and you, and you give your anxieties over to God, do you experience peace? Or do you pray, but then you just stay up all night still worrying? Because when we pray, and the Bible says to cast all our cares upon the Lord, to cast our burdens on him, he's supposed to be carrying it now. So if we've truly trusted him and cast our cares upon him, then why are we still worrying? We're not supposed to be carrying it. So I think it can come down to a trust, you, trust issue. And this is my story too. Like, do I really trust God? Do I really trust that he is going to hear my prayers, that my prayers will not return void, that he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way, that he's heard my cry, that he's heard my prayer. And even when I don't see an immediate change or whatever, do I trust that he is going to work it out, that he is a good father? Do I trust him? Because if we pray and we truly trust him and cast all our cares upon him, that is the best stress management tool of all time. So we need to pray and we need to trust that he's capable to carry our burdens so we don't have to carry it anymore. It's the best stress management tool. But then the other thing with stress management, we need to take time to enjoy our life. We need to enjoy our life. That was one of my words for this year. My words were a year of harvest, a year of digging wells, and a year of enjoyment. And not just joy. The, the Lord spoke to me, enjoyment. Because I think joy and enjoying things is a little bit different. Like when is the last time you just didn't worry about the pressures of life and, the, and just took time to enjoy your life? We were just up at management retreat with our team, and we were acting like a bunch of children. We rented this massive house, to, and we worked in the morning, and we you know, enjoyed ourselves in the evening. We turned off all the lights in this huge, creepy, four-story mansion. And we, there was a surround sound and we played creepy music. And then we played hide and seek in the dark. It was so freaky. Like I literally threw my neck out because I was hiding in my suitcase for 20 minutes and no one found me. So I eventually came out. Uh, and we had dance parties at night just because. Like, why not? Like, we need to take time to enjoy our life. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes 3.12, So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. Ecclesiastes 2, 24 through 25, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment. We need to take time to enjoy our lives and not feel guilty about the fact that we're disconnecting, going on a date night, going on vacation, enjoying the life that God has given us. He did not make the amazing ocean, the ski hills, the forest, the beautiful hikes, all of that versus sit in our house and be miserable. If he wanted us to be miserable, he would have made everything gray and ugly. He made it so beautiful so we can enjoy it. When's the last time you enjoyed your life? Enjoyed the world that he created for you. We need to stop waiting for Friday, waiting for summer, or waiting for someone to fall in love with us before we start enjoying our life. We need to stop waiting until we have just enough money saved up before we take that vacation. I'm not saying be irresponsible or reckless, but what I'm saying is we need to enjoy our life. And everything isn't going to be perfect before we have to enjoy our life. We need to do it now while we have breath in our lungs and we have time to enjoy the one that God has given us and enjoy the one we're with. And social media doesn't help with this. We spend so much of our time looking at how everyone else is living their lives when we could be enjoying our own. 
We need to enjoy our own and stop comparing and looking what everyone else is doing. You do something fun. We just started playing cards with our kids. It's hilarious. Like they pick it up so quick. My little five-year-old, like I haven't laughed so hard because she just is like dominating me, like for real. I'm not even letting her in. She's like, boom, schooled you, mom. Like it's so funny. Like, oh, and you know, enjoying your life doesn't take a lot of money. Can I just say that? Money's great. Oh, I love all the fancy steak dinners and fine wines. But, I'm, it, but it doesn't have to take a lot of money to enjoy your life. It really doesn't. You're going to realize, you're going to look back and realize that the little, little things in your life were really the big things. They really were. You don't have to get all dressed up in fancy clothes and buy fancy food at a steakhouse and buy expensive bottles of wine to make your spouse feel loved. Honestly, it's not about the fancy food and the fancy clothes. If you just put your kids to bed, and I keep talking about wine, I'm sorry. Get, get a bottle of reasonably priced wine, okay? Reasonably priced. Go sit outside in San Diego in the beautiful weather. And how about you just like have a heart to heart with your spouse? You can be like, hey, babe, I love you. And they'll be like, I know, I know. And say, no, babe. Like, I really love you. If I had it to do all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. Like, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for everything you do for me. I just saved you $300 at Ruth Chris. <laughs> the little things are really the big things. So maybe it's time to plan a, a late night conversation after the kids go to bed or a walk on the beach or just a day with the family and to tell your spouse all the reasons why you love them. Uh, two days ago on Friday, my husband and I were at a C3 church that's just a few hours away and they were having a Western romance, a Valentine's Day dinner and dance and then John and I were just going to share a little word around relationships and so we came in and they sat us up at this table up the front and there was a few um, older couples at the table. When I say older, they were in their 80s and uh, super cute. Oh my gosh, they're like the sweetest people ever. We were just chatting away and um, they were just talking about their relationship and being really sweet. And so they, had, they were just out there dancing on the dance floor and they go sit back down and uh, the senior pastor gets up and he started announcing John and I just giving us our introduction and probably about 10 seconds before we were to stand up to go up on the platform uh, the wife yelled out we need some help we need some help and then we turned around and this 87 year old gentleman in his cowboy hat fell into John and he had a heart attack and I had written this message had my title before this was just two days ago and I debated changing my message just because of the level of sensitivity around it. But then I realized, wow, there's some powerful lessons in this. And so he fell down on the ground and was going into cardiac arrest. And everyone was just quiet. And there were some church members that came. And they were, uh, they'd had a defibrillator. And they were bringing him back to life. 
and John's just declaring, you will not die, you will live. And he's just praying over him and praying over him. And I'm holding his wife, praying over her and just praying for peace and declaring life. And, and um, I just could not help but think. So all the paramedics finally came and then no one could be around. They're like, back away, back away, everyone clear the room. And this beautiful wife, I'm just kept going, oh dear God, she's not gonna get to say goodbye. Like, oh God, like let, I, I was just like wishing she could just go like talk to him like over his head while they were working on him, but that she couldn't get near him. Like she's not gonna get to say those things she probably wants to say. So I wanna ask, if we didn't have tomorrow, would we have said everything we need to say to our spouse today? Would the last words that you spoke to your spouse be ones that you would want to be playing over and over in your head if you didn't have tomorrow with them, if they didn't have tomorrow with you? What I loved about this couple I think it was a powerful lesson to say what we need to say while we have a time and then to truly enjoy your life while you have it they were 87 years old and he took the time to still invest in their relationship he bought their tickets to the western romance and they were dancing out on the dance floor and loving each other till the end he was taking every moment to enjoy his life how beautiful and what a powerful example to us and that gentleman, 87 years old, he died three times and they brought him back to life. He had gone blue a couple of different times and when the paramedics were finally taking him out, they were literally administering CPR, trying to bring him back to life again. And so we didn't know what was going on, but John and I were just praying that if it was his time, that he would at least wake up so they had the opportunity to say what they needed to say. And he had been on a ventilator but just after the 8.30 service, we found out that our 87-year-old cowboy pulled the ventilator out, woke up, and said, I'm as strong as a horse. <laughs> yes! God is so amazing! I'm as strong and stable as a horse. That's what he told the doctors about an hour ago. Oh my goodness. So while we still have breath in our lungs and we still have time to enjoy our lives and the one that God has given us, we need to take every moment to love and love deeply, to share with our spouse all of those things that we would want them to know. We're not promised tomorrow. No one's promised tomorrow. So why are we waiting? Why are we waiting to, to, to love, to enjoy, to lavish affection and praise, to spend that time together, to pour into one another? We've got one shot at this. We might as well give it all we got, right? Yes, yes. And the church said, amen. amen, amen. I would love everyone to stand to your feet. I just want to pray. If you're married, and just go ahead and just squeeze your spouse as we were. I'm going to pray over every marriage and every future marriage. Then after this, what I actually want to do, we're going to, the worship team's going to play a song, and the ministry team is going to come forward. And I really felt two things that the Holy Spirit's going to do today. One, those people who have been holding on to unforgiveness, you're going to get freedom today.
and you're going to live in peace, and you're going to have joy, and you're going to have rest after today. So if you need someone to pray for you, please come forward for that. And then the other thing, the last point, um, looking over the things, how to prevent a heart, atta heart attack, it says, take an aspirin a day, medicine. God's word, when applied, is the best medicine. It's the best medicine. The Bible says in Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and healed them. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Ezekiel 36.26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So the second thing, if, if you're brokenhearted today, come forward for prayer. And I'm just, I've just, I literally just saw, it was almost like healing, there was like a wave. God's gonna heal the brokenhearted. We're gonna release healing today, release his word, the word that heals. So please don't rush out, we have plenty of time. So after we pray and close the service, our ministry team will be here, and I believe God's going to do a mighty work, a mighty, beautiful work today. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. God, I thank you for every person represented in this place. God, I thank you for every future marriage that is represented here. God, and I pray, Lord, it's not always easy to wait to be single. They can't always determine, God, when that person's gonna come into their world, but what they can choose is choose the amount of joy they have while waiting for that perfect person to come into their life. So God, right now, I declare incredible joy coming into their hearts. I release peace in the name of Jesus, and we trust you, God. We declare we trust you to orchestrate the details of those future relationships. We trust you right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And God, I lift up every marriage represented in this place. God, I thank you that even now you are drawing hearts back together again. You are healing broken hearts. You are picking up all the pieces and putting it back together. You are giving them a new heart where it's been cold and stony. God, you, you declare right now that you are giving them a heart of flesh and new life. God, I thank you right now that you are giving each couple a vision for their marriage. Not what it is right now, but what it can be in you. God, I pray right now that there'd be a resilience in our relationships. God, we would not give up when the storms come, but God, the storms would just strengthen us. God, that we'd be for one another, not against each other. God, I pray right now that you are strengthening each and every couple. God, they'd have only have eyes for each other. God, I pray for a renewed passion and vision falling upon their lives right now. In the name of Jesus, God, and we thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for every relationship that'll be one that could be set up on a hill to be a light to everyone else in the city of San Diego what a healthy flourishing marriage looks like so God I thank you for each and every one bless each marriage this Valentine's week in the name of Jesus I pray amen 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 we love you church come back tonight 5 p.m bring someone who needs some encouragement in their relationships that needs a little bit of hope Pastor Jurgis, when you're going to bring a powerful word and go get your regos for emerge and cherish and bless those special people in your life. Amen. And come forward for prayer. Our team's available. Love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We want to take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. 
And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.